Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Chris, and we're so glad that you're here today. And we want to encourage you that uh, if you haven't um, thought about being a part of Celebrate Recovery or encouraging people to uh, be a part of it, we really want to do that um, because we think it's going to be probably uh, the greatest impact that we can have as a church uh, for our community. Um, I hope you all had a great Christmas with uh, your family and friends. Hopefully not too many fights uh, that usually happen during that time. Uh, hopefully some love uh, was around the table. And I want to be the first one to wish you a happy new year. Uh, our TVs have been filled over the past few days uh, with um, Christmas parades and TV shows um, that uh, celebrate Christmas. And coming up soon uh, will be uh, TVs that are filled with non-stop football. And uh, this will be a true paradise for men. Hours and hours of paradise. And it will be hours and hours of pain for women. Um, so it's going to happen. But regardless of whatever's on your TV, this is the time of year that is typically known for each of us making New Year's resolutions. These are typically commitments or promises that we make. And it might be for a project or a habit or we want a different change uh, in our lifestyle. Now, some of us make promises to ourselves every single year. For instance, one always is to lose weight, right? And I was thinking about it. If you're one of those people that every single year you say you're going to lose weight, uh, you, this is what your decade looked like, okay? So let's check it up here. Uh, New Year's resolution to lose weight. In 2001, I will get down to my high school weight, okay? 2002, I will watch my calories until I get within 20 pounds of my high school weight, okay? 2003, I will exercise five days a week at the Y. Okay, 2004, I will work out three days a week at the Y. 2005, I will buy a workout video and work out at home. 2006, I will get on a diet. 2007, I will cut down on my late night snacks. 2008, I will watch the workout video and imagine I'm doing it. 2009, I will try and drive past the Y once a week. 2010, I will roll out of the bed each morning and say the word exercise. Okay. Now, the second one that I thought of that a lot of people do every single year, maybe you've done this for a decade, is dealing with the issue of debt and how you might get out of debt. And so uh, let's try this out. Uh, 2001, I will not spend my money frivolously. 2002, I will take a course on money management. 2003, I will cut up my spouse's credit cards. 2004, I will cut up my credit cards. 2005, I will pay off my loans promptly. 2006, I'll pay the interest of my loans promptly. 2007, I will add no new debt. 2008, I will really think about adding no new debt. 2009, I will try to be totally debt-free by 2010. And this year, I will be out of the country by 2011. <laughs> and still other people make promises to be more productive at work, not to yell uh, out their, their spouse or their kids. 
um, to use their time better, to be on time. No matter what you are, who you are or what you're doing, you are going to make some promises probably in the next few days. And I'd like to begin this morning by looking at this whole issue of promises by this thought. Promises are difficult for us to keep. Promises are difficult for us to keep. They really are. Especially New Year's kind of promises. You know, from the beginning of the Bible to the end, it tells story after story about people who made promises but couldn't keep them. It begins in Genesis with Adam and Eve making a promise that they would not eat the fruit. And for a while, they didn't. But finally, the fruit looked too scrumptious one day, and they what? They ate the fruit. They broke their promise. Noah promised God that he would build this great big boat, and he would do it for God to honor him. And Noah kept his promise. But he also promised a right relationship with God. And by the time we get to the end of Noah's life, what we find is, is that, or in the middle of his life, what we find is he gets drunk and naked and his um, sons catch him. And he broke his promise to have a right relationship with God. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of David. He was the slingshot boy. There was this big giant named Goliath who was going to defeat all of David and his people. And David came and he took down the giant. And it wasn't too long after that that he became king. And he promised God that he would be a faithful king. But he also promised to his wife, Michael, that he would be faithful to her. But one day, while he's looking over the palace, uh, or on the top of the balcony overlooking the palace... He sees a woman who is naked and in bathing. He goes and he has sex with her. They have a child. The child dies. And then there are consequences that go throughout his whole life. And he broke his promise. And you can go through the Bible, story after story, and what you'll see is different people who break their promises to God. I think uh, maybe the most memorable broken promise, though, in the Bible was a guy by the name of Peter. Peter was this rough, tough kind of fisherman. And uh, one day, he finds this guy by the name of Jesus. Actually, Jesus found him. And he tells him, come and be one of my disciples. Come, be one of my best friends. And Peter leaves everything that he knew. And he went and he followed God. Jesus. And for the most part, whenever Peter would promise something to Jesus, he would keep that promise. Like I said, Peter usually kept his promises. Just like most of us do. We make a promise, usually we keep them. But one day, he made a great big giant promise, and Peter broke it. You see, early on in Jesus' ministry, there were 12 disciples who promised that they would do anything for him. They would never desert him. They would never abandon him. And yet, none of them fulfilled that promise. So, on the night before Jesus died, 
he tells them that this is what's going to happen, that they're all going to leave him. They're all going to abandon him. But none of them believed it. This is what Jesus said. You're all going to feel that your world is falling apart and that it's my fault. There's a scripture that says, I will strike the shepherd, the sheep will go helter-skelter. But after I'm raised up, I will go ahead of you, leading the way to Galilee. Then Peter blurted out, Even if everyone else is ashamed of you, when things fall to pieces, I won't be. And Jesus said, Don't be so sure. Today, this very night, in fact, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter blustered in protest. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. All the others said the same thing. Two times, Jesus tells Peter that you're going to deny me. But Peter can't handle it. And so he stands up and he makes this bold promise. And he says, you know what? If everyone else in the world is ashamed of you, I won't be. I'll never deny you. I'll never walk away. He made this huge, big promise, and the rest of the disciples did as well. But none of them kept their promises. Twelve promises were made, twelve promises broken. A few years ago, uh, Emmons Auditorium at Ball State University uh, brought on uh, the musical group uh, called Cats. It's a musical show. And uh, Jennifer had never seen it before, and she wanted uh, to go. And so I thought, oh, this is going to be great. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take her, and it'll be a wonderful evening. So I got the tickets, got everything ready, and uh, the morning of Cats came. And uh, I woke up, and I go, Cats tonight. And she goes, I know. And, you know, it's kind of that loving relationship between a husband and wife. And then she said this. Chris, don't be late. And the love continued on. And, uh, you know, I said, honey, I promise you I will not be late. I planned my afternoon accordingly to make sure that I'd be on time. But about mid-afternoon, there started to be some interruptions that hit me all at once. And I looked up at the clock and it was 630 now, I'd already made a promise to someone in the church who was in the hospital that I would come up and visit them. And so I dashed off to the hospital, visited with them, and then got back home. And by the time I got home, it was 7 o'clock. And I, I was kind of like, you know, Clark Kent. I ran in, took all the clothes off, put on my Superman gear, super stud gear, that is. And, uh, you know, I was ready to go. We get in the car, we get ready to take off. We get up to Emmons, and it's, there's this long line, and it's about 7.20. We get to Emmons at 7.25. And um, I go, look, honey, we're on time. And this is what she said in love. You still got to park. And I thought, okay, we've got to deflect, deflect this a little bit. And so I said, well, let me just pull you up right to the front, and then you can just get out and go on in. You don't have to walk. And she said, you know, Chris, the opening scene of these shows are the most important. And I really would like to be on time. 7.25, I got five minutes. I get out. If you've ever been to anything at Emmons, there's no parking around there at all. 
So I have to go all the way to the garage. I get to the garage, start going around, 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 around. Every single parking spot's taken. Finally get to the top of the garage. I'm going around, nothing. Halfway around, there it is. The spot. Hallelujah. You know? And I pull in and I park. I run down, this, down the garage uh, steps, run over to Emmons. By this time, a little perspiration's coming down. I walk in. It's 732. And the doors have been closed, and Jennifer is the only person standing outside. And her uh, look to me showed a promise had been broken. You see, folks, promises are difficult to keep, aren't they? I mean, even when we have the best intentions, when we try to do everything that we possibly can, it's difficult. For us to keep them. Have you found that to be true in your life? Are there promises that you've tried to keep that you just didn't quite make? Maybe there's a promise that you've made recently even that you haven't been able to keep. I mean, even with our best intentions, even sometimes when it takes a run and some sweat, we still just can't quite make it. Here's the second thought. Promises to us are often broken. Promises to us are often broken. Just by a sign of uh, hands, how many of you have ever had a promise broken to you? Yeah, everybody's hands. We all have. Every single person in this place, the one thing we have in common is uh, that we've all had a promise broken. And when promises are broken, it hurts, and it creates disappointment for us. It was a beautiful day back in 1982. I was 11 years old, and we were out uh, in the garden, my parents and I, and we were planting vegetables and fruits. Now, I know that you probably think that uh, I don't eat vegetables or fruit, that why would I be planting them? My parents were just hoping that I'd turn the corner. Uh, but didn't for a long time. Well, it was uh, in the spring, and uh, my dad had recently been given an offer to go to a church. He was a pastor as well, to go to a church in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And uh, he had decided not to take that offer so that we could stay in God's country, or at least what I thought was God's country at the time, Marion, Indiana. The home of the giants. And so we're planting and we're uh, talking to each other. And all of a sudden, I just kind of looked up to my dad and I said, Dad, we are going to be in Marion forever with our friends, aren't we? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, you promise? He goes, promise. For the next three years, we stayed in Marion, had a wonderful uh, time there in God's country. And I was looking forward because I was getting ready to go into high school. And uh, I thought, man, I'm going to have the chance to play basketball for the Marion Giants. And then at the the spring uh, leading up to my freshman year, my dad uh, came and said, a church from Anderson, Indiana, has asked me to come, and I've accepted it. And you know, for an 11-year-old, that was a huge deal. And where my mind went was back to the day we were in the garden together when I said, you promise? 
And he said, promise. You see, folks, when people make promises to, the, to us, we expect them to keep them. And one of the most difficult things to experience in life is broken promises. In our story today that I just read about Peter and the disciples, all of them made this huge promise to Jesus that they would never leave him. They'd never be ashamed. They'd never walk away. And just a few hours later, let's look at what happens. So they arrested Jesus and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Now, how, how closely did Peter follow Jesus? What's the scripture say? At a distance. Right? A long, safe distance. I mean, he wasn't right by, beside Jesus like he said he was going to be. The promise that he gave. He didn't go with him all the way through the whole arrest process. He was camouflaging himself in the crowd so that no one would see that he had a relationship with him. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, had received this strong promise from Peter that I will never leave you. I'll never walk away. And all the disciples said that they would not deny him as well. But when the going got tough, this big burly fisherman, the type that you see on ESPN 2, you know, out in their boats, three times he breaks his promise. He breaks that he knew him. And then the rooster crowed. Just like what happened to Jesus, it happens to us too. People will come and they'll make promises in our life and then they don't keep them. In fact, one of the things that we all share is we've all experienced the pain of what it's like to have someone break a promise in our life. And for as many broken promises that are represented here today, there are just as many ways in which we respond to it. Some of us, when a person breaks a promise to us, we go off. We go in rage. We are so upset. We start throwing stuff, going after the person, whatever. Others of us, because of our personality, we just withdraw from the person. We don't want to deal with the person. And for others of us, we just kind of refuse to admit that the person even exists. We just kind of say they no longer are a part of our lives. Now, Jesus in this setting, he looks at Peter. And Peter's nickname was called the Rock because he was solid as a rock in the sense of being a disciple. 
And as he looks at Peter, he watches Peter break his promise time and time and time again. And this had to be very disappointing and hurtful for Christ. Now let me just say this. It's not wrong to be disappointed when people break promises to you. In fact, it's not wrong to be very, very disappointed and hurt when people break promises to you. But when the disappointment and hurt turns into rage, or it turns into withdrawal, or it turns into dismissal of even thinking that that person is a carbon-based, you know, biohead anymore, that we don't even think they're a human being, that's when we've gone too far. Promises are going to be given to you folks, and promises are going to be broken. In every single relationship in life, it will happen. That's just what happens in life. In fact, there is not a relationship that I have ever known that has not been a place within that relationship where a promise has not been broken. When it comes to promises, it's just going to happen. Promises are going to be broken to you. But this is the key if you want healthy relationships. The key to anyone who breaks promises with you is that you forgive the person. The key to any healthy relationship is forgiveness. Now, I, don't, I know you don't want to hear this. Some of you probably left from Christmas with family issues not resolved. But I'm telling you, you want a healthy relationship, the key is forgiveness. After Peter breaks his promise to Jesus, the Bible tells us that Peter hides out. Jesus then goes through this whole trial process. He's beaten, he's spit upon, he's whipped, he's finally crucified upon a cross. And we think that what's going to happen is Peter's going to go through the rest of his life shame-ridden, guilt-driven, and the fact that he himself is going to be known for eternity as the ultimate promise breaker. But Jesus comes back from the dead, and he comes to Peter on different occasions. And the most memorable is one morning, while they've all been fishing together, and Peter says, you know what, let's go up and let's see what this guy's doing. And Jesus says, come. And they bring all the fish And Jesus makes breakfast for Peter and the disciples. And all the other guys, I'm sure, are like, man, this is so great, this is wonderful. But in the back of Peter's mind, what he remembers is that he is the promise breaker. And so Jesus pulls him aside after breakfast, and they have a conversation. And this is what is said. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? More than these. Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Once more he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. 
They're on the seashore. And Jesus comes to him. And do you notice how many times he has Peter respond? Three times. Three times earlier, Peter had denied him. Three times now, Peter gets a chance to say, I love you. He wipes the slate clean for Peter. Now, most people would have thrown this into Peter's face. He would have said something like this. Most people could have easily said, Jesus could have said, Do you remember what you did to me? you remember that you stood up real big and proud? Hey, you know what? If everyone else walks away, I won't do that, Jesus. I promise. I told you, Peter. I told you so. Jesus doesn't respond that way at all. He responds with love and forgiveness time and time again. And the essential ingredients to any relationship that you ever have is unconditional love and ongoing forgiveness. Friends, forgiveness is the key to every relationship that I know. For every single healthy relationship I know. And the promise that I want to encourage you to make in 2010 is that you would forgive fully, forgive quickly, forgive faster than what you did in 2009. And even when people break promises, and I'm telling you folks, it's, just take it to the bank. They are. You're going to have people this next year that are going to break promises to your life. Set up a plan right now that says, I'm going to forgive them. It may not be immediately. You don't have to forgive everybody immediately. It may take a day, a week, a month, at the longest though. And you just make a promise that you're going to forgive. And let me just get real with us this morning. Have you held back any forgiveness from someone this year? Somebody that you know you should forgive, but you've carried it. And now there's only a few more days till the end of the year. Have you been holding on to a grudge? Have you kind of been swimming in bitterness and resentment? And you come on Sunday, but you know that you've been holding on to something. And let me just say that for some of you, it may not even been a year. It may be two years, three years, four years, a decade. And even as I'm talking right now, I have a feeling that some of you can picture the person's face, whoever it is that you've been holding something against. And let me just challenge you this morning. Forgive them. Just forgive them. Get over it. Whatever it is, get over it and get on with your life. And let me just say this. Forgiveness does not mean forget. It doesn't mean you forget what they did to you, what promise they broke to you. It doesn't mean that you have to trust them the way that... Uh, you know, you trust them before they broke the promise. But it says, you know what? I'm not going to be held a prisoner anymore. That's what unforgiveness does, folks. It holds you as a prisoner. So just forget. Get on with it. Move on with your life. God's got great things in store for you for 2010. He wants to use you in powerful ways. But I'm telling you, the only way He can is if you come clean. And you forgive those who've offended you. The worst thing you could do, folks, is make a promise 
that you're going to go into 2010 with a grudge. Some of you won't make that promise, but you'll take it into the next year. So just forgive. Here's the third thought. Promises from God are always kept. Promises from God are always kept. Since the beginning of time, God has always kept His promises. Do you remember, uh, I talked about Noah earlier. God made a promise to Noah and the rest of the world. Do you remember what that promise was? He would not what? Flood the earth. He said, build this boat, go ahead, be on it. And he comes off and he says, I promise that I'll never flood the earth again. And he gave us a sign for that promise. A rainbow. And every single year, each of us experience rainbows. We see them, we understand them, and we, it, it should remind you. It shouldn't remind you, oh, that's pretty. It should remind you God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. And what about the prophets? God kept his promise with them too. God had this whole kind of group of folks before Jesus came that spoke on his behalf. He would give them messages of what to predict what the future would look like. And God came to one of them named Isaiah almost 700 years before Jesus was born. And this is what he said. Isaiah stood up and said, The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And he will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. He'll take over the running of the world. His ruling authority will grow. And there's no limit to the wholeness he brings. And 700 years later, which we just celebrated this week, a little baby was born and God fulfilled his promise. And that's what we celebrate. Christmas is about promises, folks. It's about God keeping his promise. And he not only sent us his son, but he gave his son to us. It was a free gift. It cost God a lot, but it was a free gift for you and I. And the gift was this. I don't know how the exchange took place, but Scripture tells us that we all like sheep have run away. We've gone to our own wicked way. And yet what happened was God took all the sin in our life, all the nastiness, all the horrible stuff, and He just dumped all of that onto His Son. And when Jesus took all of that on the cross, do you see what happens to this hand? It's free. There's nothing there. It's not weighted down anymore. That's what Christ did for you. The greatest promise ever given to us. He kept His promise. Forgive us of our sins. Eternal life with Him. The Bible says this, So I will do all the good I have promised them. I, the Lord, have spoken. God wants to do good things in your life. Regardless of the bad stuff that maybe has happened, God wants to do good stuff in your life. He's not that type of God who promises harm, but He's the type of God who promises good. He wants the best for you in 2010. And the way that you receive His best is by having a relationship with Him. And the thing is, that if you choose to have a relationship with God... Or you choose to say, you know what, this year, 
I'm giving it all. All my life to Him. I'm not going to hold back certain things. I'm promising God, it's all yours. Here it is. That He doesn't only give you abundant life in the present, but He gives you good gifts for eternity. Listen to what the Bible says. Paul writes, My aim is to raise hopes by pointing the way to life without end. This is the life God promised long ago. And He doesn't break promises. Isn't that good news? Folks, God does not break promises. Every promise that God has ever made, He has fulfilled. Because God always keeps His promises. Your wife, your kids, your parents, your boss, whoever else, they're going to break promises. But God always keeps His. And it's not just here on earth, but after earth. Look what it said in the first sentence. My aim is to raise hopes by pointing the way to life without end. You see, God's promise to you, folks, isn't that you would live 70, 80, 90, or 100 years, but it's to live for eternity with Him. One of my favorite scriptures that I want to give to you, because God gave it to us as a gift, is in Hebrews 10.23. And I'd like us to read this together. Let's read it together. Without waver... That means all of us. I didn't know if it was up there. Oh, let's... This is different. Let's read this one. (laughs) Remember, it's my favorite. Let's read it again. Here it goes. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. Here, once again, the Bible is saying that God keeps His promises. In fact, God's mission on earth is to search out, to search out, to search out for people and to give hope and hope and more hope. Because more than anything else, He wants a relationship with you. It's like God is saying, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise I will not stop seeking you out until we are found together. Well, I think I've done a pretty decent job this morning of showing you from the Bible that God keeps His promises. But I have a feeling that some of you probably are thinking, okay, He did that in Bible days, but what about now? What about in my life right now? Does He keep promises for me? And I can't speak for you. All I can say is that for myself, is that my entire life, And the life of my family that God has given me so far, He's kept every single promise. Every promise that I've read in the Bible, every promise that He's been faithful to me, my needs. There's never been a time that I've gone without food or clothing or shelter. Every time I've had a need in my life, He's met. And most of the time, He goes way more than that because He's such a generous God. He takes care of many of my wants. He's never left me. He's never abandoned me. I just wondered, as you end this year, could you do a personal inventory yourself and just go through? What are the promises that God has kept? Has He kept any promises for your life? I love that passage. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. He can be trusted to keep every promise. 
Now, this is the question that I want to pose to you as we kind of wrap up this morning. What about us? What about you? What about me? Do we keep our promises? A few years ago, one of the hottest Christmas items was a promise puppy. It'll come up here. Isn't that cute? It's the promise puppy. And what the promise puppy had was little hearts that they gave to the kids. What the child would do is they would take the heart and they would write on it promises that they had. They'd fold it up and if you see the little red tag on the side, that's a pocket. And they would put the promise into the pocket. Now some of the promises might be to make their bed. It might be to help them do dishes, to take out the trash, or to promise not to talk back to their parents. Good luck on that one, right? So what would happen is the child would write down whatever the promise is, put, put it on the heart, place it into the pocket, and it would be a reminder to them of what they promised. Now when you walked in today, in your program, go ahead, pull this out for a second. Each of you have a little heart here, okay? And I'm going to give you a minute for you to sit down and to think about from your heart to God's heart, what's one thing that you could promise to Him? It may be to pray each morning before you get out of bed that you'll spend one minute to thank God and to get on your knees. It might be to read the Bible in a more regular way, and we're going to talk about that next week, of how we can be more dependent upon God as we begin a new series, and we're going to talk about it. You'll want to invite your friends. It might be to volunteer on Sunday. That might be your thing. It might be to be a part of a small group. You've thought about it. You've talked about it. You've just never done it before. Write it down. Take the step. It might be to be a part of Celebrate Recovery. You might come in here and everybody thinks you got it all together, but you know there are some hurts, habits, and hang-ups in your life, and you could just write it down. It may be more personal. I want to promise to work on my anger, if you're a guy, not to yell at my wife, not to yell at my kids. As a wife, it might be to encourage, to build up, complain less, be more thankful. Whatever it is, think about it for a second and write it down. So take a minute. There's pins in front of you. This is between you and God, heart to heart. Okay, I wrote mine down. Hopefully you wrote yours too. Down. Now, the reality is we don't have a promise puppy for all of you this Christmas. 
I know that you all wanted one, and I tried, but they're no longer existing, I don't think, because I couldn't find them. But the whole concept of the promise puppy is simply to put it somewhere that reminds you of how to keep your promise. And so there are places that you go to every single day that you'll see. And I would encourage you to put this somewhere that you would remember. It might be on your refrigerator, because I guarantee with all the Christmas leftovers, you're going to hit that. Or it might be at the mirror that you look at when you get ready. It might be in your car. Wherever it is, you put this somewhere to remind yourself. Now, you ask my small group. The things I tell you to put on your refrigerator, they're on my refrigerator. So if you come to my house, you'll see this. So this isn't something I'm just asking you to do. I'm going to do it myself. And everyone will know, I promise to be working at being on time. That's the one that I put down. That's my promise to God. And some of you are like, that's not a big deal. It's a huge deal in my life. It really is. And I'm serious about it. I've got someone that's holding me accountable this next year, every two weeks, asking me, was I on time? I want life change. I don't know what it is for you, but you have to decide what it is. You know, this next year, it's filled with possibilities, potential. God wants to do great things in your life because He loves you that much. And I just wanted to give you this kernel of truth that you should take with you wherever you go throughout this year. God is head over heels in love with you. He loves you more and more and more every single day. He never stops thinking about you. He keeps His promises. You're the whole reason why we celebrated Christmas. Christmas wasn't so much about Jesus as it was for us. Because He sent Him just for you. And so we're going to close uh, celebrating Lifting up holy hands to what God would do with our promises that we give to Him today because He will be faithful to keep His. Let's stand as we sing. The song says um, God's promises are true and, and He's never changing, so that's just a promise to us that His promises will never fail. So as we sing this song again, um, just remember that So. Great is your faithfulness. You never change. You never fail, oh God. True are your promises. True are your promises. You never change. You never fail, oh God. So we raise up holy hands to praise the Holy One who was and is and is to come. Yeah, we raise up holy hands.
Wide is your love and grace. Wide is your love and grace. You never change. You never fail, oh God. Wide is your love and grace. Wide is your love and grace. You never change. You never fail, oh God. So we raise up holy hands to praise the Holy One who was and is and is to come. Yeah, we raise up holy hands to praise the Holy One who was and is and is to come. Feel free to talk to any of us up here and have a great day, blessed day. Celebrate Jesus and go Colts. I thought I heard you say